Hi, I'm Pastor Roger Brown. God has gifted me the pleasure to pastor a dynamic, spirit-filled church called Life Changers Church International right here in Pittsburgh, Kansas. I believe God will use this sermon to impact your life and bring His greatness out of you. Man, I hope you get something out of this that will change your life. God bless you. Your time is very important, so I'm going to get right to the message. Have a wonderful day. Praise God. Amen. Ain't you so glad that God moved on your life? I remember. Amen. I remember several several places in my life where I was. Amen. And and I'm so thankful that God pulled me pulled me out. But I'm so thankful for the for the day that he moved on me when that calling of God came. Because I didn't classify myself or see myself as somebody who could do something for God. I grew up in church. Uh all my life growed up in church and uh and but but I just didn't foresee myself as somebody that uh that could be called and used to God. But I'm so glad that uh that when he calls us, he qualifies us. Amen. Praise God. And so the call in your life has already been qualified by God. He has he has spoken. Amen. And when God speaks, I want you to know right now, when God speaks against uh, uh, on your life, hell fights what he's talking about. Amen. So if any of you are in this building this morning and you're going through some stuff in your life, it's because God's speaking on your life. Amen. Because hell fights what God has spoke to. And he's always going to try to do that. And so the things in your life right now, just know that if God spoke, you are blessed. Amen. Amen. You are blessed. And we know that when God begins to move upon the blessed, what happens? Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me this morning. I'm still on the, on the, on the misfits. Amen. And if you haven't been here and you're thinking misfits, who's a misfit? Praise God. Amen. Usually all those around you is usually a misfit. Praise God. If you got friends, they're misfits. <laughs> Amen. It's that, it, it, it's that part where God, I, I, I mean, we just look and we think, God, you're going to use them? I mean, really? Like, like, like old Randy, I mean, I have to think sometimes, God, are you going to use him? Randy said, hey, I met this guy one time. He said, she's pretty. He said, I called her up and said, hey. Man, you going to go out on a date? And she said, are you an athlete? And he said, yeah. She said, make me on down here track then. He said, okay. He said, I put on his uh, Pearl Snap shirt. Amen. He went down there and said, she got down there and she took off running around the track. He said, I took off running too. He said, about one and a half laps later, he said, my back was hurting. He said, I was leaning up against something. He said, she done passed me twice. He said, she made three laps around there. And she said, I thought you was an athlete. And he said, <laughs> He said, we don't do this in Arkansas. <laughs> and I said, I said, you couldn't catch up with it? He said, no, my cowboy boots kept slipping. I said, you wore cowboy boots? He said, yeah, I thought I was going on a date. <laughs> cowboy boots running around a lap, praise God. 
If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11. Stand to your feet for the reading and the reverence of the Word of God. I'm also going to take you to Judges chapter 7. Amen. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to hone in on verse number 3. We're going to jump over to verse number 32. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 3. Amen. When you get it, say amen. amen. Got your smartphone or your tablet, go ahead and pull it out. Open up the Bible app there. Make sure you close it. Don't take no pictures of me preaching because I'm liable to be so fast you can't see me. Amen. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 3. Are you there? Yes. Through faith. I like that thing. Everything we do in this walk with God is always going to be by faith. Amen. It's not by works nor by power. Come on, somebody. But by God. Everything you do, everything you do in God is always going to be by faith because it's never going to look like what it sounds like. Has God ever, I know y'all standing, but y'all just hang on just a minute. Have you ever heard God speak something in your life? And I mean, it was like, yes, I'm ready for that. And then you get in the middle of it and you think, well, it don't look like nothing like I heard. Because God is really good about telling you what's going on. God never leaves you out. Come on, somebody. God never leaves you out. You know, mama says, oh, no, I just feel, you know, somebody says, oh, that's a mama's, <laughs> that's a mama's intuition. No, that's God speaking to that mama over her child. And God is really good about telling you things, but he is really crappy. Can I say crappy? Yeah. Too late, I already did. He's really crappy about giving you the details. He doesn't ever say, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, they're going to betray you. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're just seasonal. Them friends are just seasonal. See, my God. We get too attached sometimes to certain places, and then, and then all of a sudden when it turns around, we're thinking, God, what in the world's going on? God said, oh, I was going to tell you, they're just for a season. And so everything we do is through faith. Look at your neighbor and say, through faith. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Go with me over to the 32nd verse, would you please? And he gets all the way down to his closing. Amen, kind of like me. He closes way too long. Amen. He gets down to his closing as he, as, as, as he begins to talk about the men of faith and the hall of faith and gets to talking. He gets down to the closing and he said, and what shall I say? What shall I more say? For time would fail me. He said, I don't have enough time because y'all ready to go eat. But I'd like to tell y'all that time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David and also Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, my God, my God, obtained promises, and stopped the mouths of lions. Hallelujah. Turn with me real quick, if you would, to, to uh, Judges. 
Judges chapter 7. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Judges chapter 7. And y'all can sit down and, and uh, watch me have fun. <laughs> Judges chapter 7. Verse number four, I'm going to read down to verse number seven. Judges chapter seven, verse number four. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people are yet too many. Bring them down into the water, and I will try them for, for, for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee. The same shall go with thee. And of whatsoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee. The same shall, shall not go. Man, that's a tongue twister. So he brought down the people unto the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Every one that lappeth of the water with his tongue, as the dog lappeth, him thou shalt set by himself. Likewise, every one that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were three hundred men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lapped, Will I save you and deliver the Midianites into the hand and let all the other people go every man unto his place? Let us pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, let your word, God, let your word be formed in this place today. God, I pray, Lord, that you begin to move. God, that you begin to bring power in this place. And God, the places that they're stuck at, Heavenly Father, Lord, just begin to move them right now. And Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. When we talk about misfits in the Bible, we're not talking about ignorant people or people uh, who can't do anything, but we're talking about people who would be less likely chosen. That if we was to look at them, we would think, you know, I, I don't think they're the ones that God's talking about when he's going to do something. And so God moves down, and what he does is he uses the people, amen, uh, to do the things that he wants to do because the Bible says that he takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And so what looks foolish to you, God has promised greatness. And greatness does not look great. Look at your neighbor and say, greatness does not look great. So anytime we're trying to find something that looks great, a lot of times what we're doing is we're looking on the, on the outside of something, but not looking on the inside. And we know because the Bible tells us plainly when he chose David, he said, I don't look on the outside of a man, but I look on the inside of a man on his heart. And he said, and that's where I choose him from. So when God begins to choose us a lot of times in our life, we look down as a broken mess and we think there's no way. I can't do that. Some people walk in, 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 in here in church and, 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 and we see a, 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 a lot of things go on in church and we want to look at somebody else's life or where they are right now and determine I can't get there. But you didn't know where I was 25 years ago. You didn't know what I came through 10 years ago, five years ago. There's things upon our journey that we have to understand that God is completely in control. And so, and, and, and so I know some people don't like to hear that because some of those people say, well, you know, you know, God is not in control. We are in control, uh, and we're the ones that controls this thing. But here's the thing. God is ultimately in control. Yes, yes, yes. 
and thank God that you're not in control of a lot of things or we'd all be doomed. I mean, you're like a roller coaster. I mean, you're... I mean, you don't know if you're happy, if you're sad, if you're mad, if you're not mad. I mean, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. And so it's the places in our life that the Bible said that when God spoke, that he framed the worlds with his words. Actually, the Bible said that through faith, <laughs> through faith, God spoke. And when he spoke, it began to happen and things began to move and things got formed and things got framed because every part of your life, there's a place. Uh, just, uh, just like uh, you can go back to Facebook memories. Anybody go back to Facebook memories? You think, man, I look different five years ago. Oh, I need to lose weight. My God, I've eaten way too much. Five years ago, I'm way skinnier. Yeah, go back and, and, and that snapshot, it's a frame. It snapped. In every part of our life, there are places in our life that God has literally framed. Because when he frames it, that means that part of my life, this meant something to me. It didn't mean something to anybody else. Nobody else knew what I was struggling with. Everybody else thought I was just fine. When I lost my family member in that car wreck, in that overdose, when the enemy came and destroyed my marriage, when my finances fell apart, when people looked at me and said, I, I was just an angry person and they didn't know what I was going through they couldn't understand the calling on my life and I didn't know the calling on my life and they walked away and they left it God didn't leave me God stayed God stayed with me every step of the way it might look like a rodeo up in there in a little bit but I promise you I can ride a bull <laughs> got a shuck and buck sometimes so when we talk about misfits, we can't leave Gideon out because Gideon is, is, is absolutely in that uh, place. I mean, he didn't expound on it, but he said, uh, he said, time would fail me, but I could tell you about Gideon. Now, Gideon, Gideon was what they call the, the coward of the family. Israel had been placed under this... Uh, Thing by God because God got sick and tired of messing with them. God got sick and tired. Well, he didn't really get sick and tired, but he said, okay, you want to do this? This is what I'm going to do. So for 40 years, Israel was underneath the Midianites and the Philistines. And so every other nation around them, whatever they wanted to do unto Israel, they had no power. They would go through this cycle, and every seven years, it would come back around. Gideon happened to be raised at that time. And the Bible said that, that every year when they would grow crops, and they would get all of their crops out, and they would get everything done, the Bible said that the Midianites would come over the hills like locusts. They would fly over and they would trample on all their crops that they had sowed. And they would take all their food. They would kill all their animals and all their donkeys and all their oxen. Take all their chickens and, 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 and all their stuff. And they would leave them with absolutely nothing. And so, and so God's people, Israel, was starving to death. And they were scared. And so they did whatever they wanted them to do. And so they built altars of Baal. As long as they built altars of Baal, then the Philistines and Midianites said, we will come back and we won't come as often if you worship Baal. 
Or that's actually what 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 the Philistines said. If you worship Baal, then the Midianites said, if you build an asherah pole, if you put one of those up and you begin to worship our God. And so here's the children of Israel knowing the one true God, but so messed up that they're worshiping this God and they're worshiping this God and still yet the enemy's still taking their stuff. My God, I don't know about you, but I, I tell you what, when I woke up that one day and thought I'm sick and tired of sinning because, because I know that no matter what I do, if I keep worshiping this and I keep worshiping that, the enemy's still gonna take from me. But I realized and understood that the moment I gave my life to God and I committed over to him, I still had some faults and I still had some areas, but God said, I'll walk it with you now. I won't leave you. I won't leave you there but I walk every step with you and I need some people in here to understand and realize that there are people in your circle and the only thing is not that they don't love God it's just that they have never experienced a God that will come down and move in their life and so all of you that are living for God and you got an experience you need to tell somebody what God's done in your life So Gideon is down in the wine press, down in the valley. He's down and, and he's, taking, he's taking his wheat and he's getting ready. And he's so scared that he's separating the chaff from the wheat that he's so scared that he's down in the wine press where nobody can see him. And he's taking his wheat and he's throwing it up. Because we know that you can't separate that in a valley. Most people who separate the wheat are on top of the mountain because they need wind to blow. Now I know today in today's society, you could probably get in the basement and turn the fan on. But they didn't have no kind of electricity. But he was trying to store up and save what he knew that the enemy was coming after. And all the rest of the men were standing out in battle ready to fight and take care of their uh, children and their homes, whatever they had to do. But Gideon was found in a wine press, and nobody knew exactly where he was at, but he was hiding. He had run down to the bottom trying to save what little bit he could. And while he was there trembling and shaking and thinking and being mad, anybody ever been mad at God? If you have, that's okay because we go through those places. Some people say, well, you can't be mad at God. If you're mad at God, then God's going to be mad at you. Honey, let me tell you something. The Bible said it do us now good to be angry. Come on, somebody. And sometimes we got to get to that place. Praise God. And he was down and probably mad and thinking, why am I going through this? Why was I born in this place? Why was I born in this town? Why was I born in this, in this family? I don't understand it, God, of all the other places. And here I am stuck and my family's starving to death. And they tell us that there was a great big God who did this and did this and did this and here we are for 40 years and you ain't showed up and you ain't done nothing and I'm hurting and I need you to answer. I need you to move and nobody's ever showed up and done anything for me. Some people says, well, I don't know about you, but God ain't never done nothing for me. Honey, I beg the difference. He woke you up. You didn't deserve to get up today. Your sins would have nailed you in a coffin, but the blood of Jesus Christ over 2,000 
2,000 years ago said I'm not counting their sins because I've done shed the blood for them and it's not about their sins it's about my blood and when you woke up this morning it's because God seen your future when you couldn't see it he's seen past your pain because there is purpose past the pain God sees us what we're going through in our times in our life he knows exactly come on somebody he knows exactly what's going on he doesn't give up Gideon was God's purpose man God chose him God called him he couldn't see it he was down in the wine press Whew. down in the valley don't you know that the valley the only thing that you need to do in the valley look at your neighbor and say you better get this the only thing that you need to do down in the valley is kill a giant that's the only purpose that God has got you in a valley. He didn't get you in a valley to get you off somewhere and kill you. I know, I know some of you think, God, he's going to kill me. Lord, Lord, if you don't get me out of this, you're going to kill me. And God says, hey, hang on just a minute. He said, I control the thermostat. I know what you can take and what you can't take. I know your limitations. You need to quit acting like a sissy and get up and thank God that I woke you up, that there's a battle in front front of you my god there's a battle in front of you if you're in the valley kill a giant and get out of the valley we want to go in the valley and go to home depot and go to walmart and go to piggly wiggly and, and all of those trying places we want to bake a pie we want to have a picnic and tell everybody how bad our life is oh my life is so bad i'm down in the valley my life is bad we'll find the giant that that god put you in the valley for and take his head off and get your hind in can i say hind in i done said two words to kick me out of church crap and hind in praise god and get your hind in up on the valley and quit fooling around and quit moping and quit acting like that you ain't that you ain't no good for nothing I'm here to tell you right now God has a purpose in your life <laughs> the angel Lord showed up to Gideon the angel Lord said hey listen he didn't say hey I've seen you before he didn't say, hey, turn around. I need to see your face. Who are you? Listen, he's throwing that weed up. He's trying to get something to happen. He, he, he's down in the wine press, and ain't no wind blowing, and he's mad. And I got to hurry up. The Midianites are coming. The Midianites. And the angel of the Lord walked up, and while he's standing, the angel of the Lord, this is what he said, mighty man of valor. Listen, listen. God doesn't say, hey, whose son are you? What pedigree are you? If anybody asks what pedigree I am, I don't know. They say I'm Indian, but uh, Indians can't grow beards like this, so I know I'm not all Indian. I might have a little Baptist in me. I don't know. Praise God. Maybe a little Methodist. <laughs> 
hope it's Southern Baptist, praise God, because they'll... <laughs> Woo! And Southern Baptists can preach. <laughs> listen, listen. He walks up to him, and he calls out, and he calls him, listen, because the Bible said that he framed the world through his words. And the Bible says that what we see is not what it really is. And so here we got a mighty man of valor that for all of that time, he's been running and he's been hiding. But how, do, how many know that when it's God's time, it's God's time. He doesn't announce. He doesn't, he doesn't say, hey, I need everybody to be at Life Changes Church at 1030 because I'm going to speak. You know, the ones that didn't come today, they just missed it, honey. They missed the overflow. But it's all right because God keeps going around and he keeps going around and God showed up at the worst time of his life. The Midianites was on schedule to come and nobody expected God to show up and he showed up right in the middle of the mess and he says, mighty man of valor. Gideon says, I know you've lost your mind. He said, I'm, he said, I'm weak. He said, not only is I'm weak, he said, my clan is the weakest, is the weakest one in Life Changers Church. El Nicky's is the weakest <laughs> in Life Changers Church. Burke says, oh, I know, I know it's not me, God, because in Life Changers Church, Burke's is the weakest. El Nicky's the ugliest. Burke's is the weakest. <laughs> He'll fight me. I better watch him. Listen, he, he's arguing with God. God is speaking. How many times had God spoken our life and we've been down in the valley so long that we don't even know how to accept what God is saying that we start arguing back about how we feel, how we see it, or what's going on. And he starts going back. I'm the weakest one. I, 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 I know you got this wrong. This is not me. This is not exactly, this is not exactly what, what looks like a mighty man of valor. And, 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 so, and so he begins to speak. And Gideon says, hang on just a minute. If you're truly sent from God, hang here. He goes back and the Bible said he gets a goat. And he takes a goat. He, he slays a goat. He, he prepares a goat. He brings it back out. And he says, I want to sacrifice. The Bible said that the angel Lord took his staff. He took it up on the rock. And the fire of God came down. And boom, it consumed the sacrifice. And Gideon said, okay, you got my attention. Come on, somebody. Praise God. Because that's how we are in church. God speaks. It's like, hang on, God, if this is really going to happen, Lord, if you're really going to do this for me, then I need you to do this. Gideon still didn't get all the answers. He goes out, and the Bible said he get this. He got this thing about him, and he went out and he tore the altars of Baal down. He took, he took the astroth pole, and he took it down, and he destroyed it. And the next day when they woke up, they was mad, and they said, who did this? Who tore this down? Who took this down? And Gideon said, still sitting over hiding. He says, Lord, if you really called me, how many has asked God that? If you really called me, if you, Lord, if you really called me, he said, then I'm going to throw a fleece down. 
And I'm going to put this fleece down. And Lord, Lord, when it drinks dew of the morning, I want dew to be everywhere all over the ground, but not on the fleece. He woke up the next morning and dew went all over the ground and there was nothing on the fleece. And he picked it up and he thought, yes. Well, hang on, God. I got one more thing here. Now, if this is really you, God must like him. If this is really you, I'm going to put the fleece down and I want all the dew just to go on the fleece but not on the grass. And when I get up, then I'll know it's you. And so, and so the next day, the Bible said he got up and sure enough, there was no dew on the ground. It was just on the fleece. And the Bible said he had to wring the fleece out because of all the water. And so he says, okay, God, okay, God, I'm with you. I'm going to serve you. And God said, get these men and take them out and get ready for battle. And he gets the men he goes out. Praise God. This is a misfit, mind you, because misfit just do crazy stuff sometimes. And he gets out with 32,000 men and God says, hang on. You've got too many men. He says, too many men? He said, ask the men how many are fearful. 22,000 went home. Isn't it amazing? How people can stand beside you and just, yeah, I mean, just shout the house down, but still have so much fear. And that's what the enemy likes to run the church with his fear because fear is reversal of faith. And I told you at the beginning of this message that everything we do is going to be through faith. But fear is reversal of faith. And if we're running on fear, then we're not believing by faith. And so it's not that we're not saved. It's not that God don't love us. It's we are standing still in a standing still position. And the Bible said that even when God was in the wilderness, that the cloud of our a fire by night and a cloud of shade by day kept moving in the wilderness. Even the cloud didn't stand still. It moved. Every time the children of Israel would pack up and move, the cloud would move. Anytime they would sit still, the cloud would sit still. And so if God intends for us to move, we better start moving. He takes 10,000 men, gets them up and gets them ready. He says, let's go. And God says, hang on. Get in. We still got too many men. Gideon says, what? He says, take all your men. Take them down to the river. He says, the ones that reaches down and laps in the river like a dog. Those are the ones I want you to keep. Gideon took the men down to the river. Some of them got down on their bellies, got into the water. See, because when they got on the river, they could see the reflection of themselves. And God said, when you got men that can only see them and not see me, when you got men that wants to look at what they can do and not what I can do, I don't need those kind of men. And those men got down on the river, and as they began to look at the reflection of themselves, they thought they've been chosen by God. Besides that, when you're laying on your belly, all your, all your tools or your weapon or your warfare, you can't get to. 
God said, take the men and the ones that would get by the river and lap like a dog. Those are the ones that's looking for a fight. They're ready at all times. Those are the ones that go into battle. When they get thirsty, they drink, but those are the ones when they go into battle, they're ready if something happens, they'll pick up their, their, their swords and they'll fight Amen. back. Yes. He said, Gideon, you got too many. 9,700 men got on their bellies and 300 men lapped like a dog. God said, send them home and take the 300. Amen. See, sometimes in this whole thing, you mighty man of valor, I'm talking to many men in here, you mighty man of valor, in this whole thing, you're thinking you need this and you need that and everything's crazy. I can't serve God because I'm angry, I'm mad. I can't serve God because I made too many mistakes. I can't serve God because I burnt too many bridges. Nobody likes me. I can't serve God because I've done too much wrong. I smoked too much dope. I can't serve God because, because I've been in the penitentiary. Honey, my brother said here the other night, he was in the penitentiary for 11 years. He's been out 14 years. He's preaching the word of God. He's traveling all over, filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't you tell me that God can't take an ex-convict and turn him into something. I'm here to tell somebody right now, the devil is a lie because a mighty man of valor ain't wearing a three-piece suit. He's not wearing an on manny vest. He's not rolling up in a Rolls Royce. Honey, he might be driving an old junkie road glide, praise God, but he's still been called by God and we have to understand that it doesn't look like what God has called but God said get ready because it's not everybody who joins you that's going to finish with you. Somebody said one time Pastor, I want your anointing. Pray for me. I want your anointing. I said, okay. I laid my hands on him. I said, Lord, you called me at a time, Lord, when nobody else thought. Now this anointing is on my life. Lord, I'm asking you to send people into his life to talk about him, to walk away from him, to treat him bad. I'm asking you to show him everything, Father, and everything just drop out and he falls down into a pit. I'm asking you, Heavenly Father, Lord, that the people in his life that comes in his life, very few are going to hang on to. But Lord, the loneliness he's going to sit at night and in the places he's going to be. Lord, let that annoy. He said, hey, 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 hey. True story. Hey, hey, hold, hold on. No, I want what I see now. What you see now. Elijah said, I want a double portion. Elijah said, <laughs> You ask a hard thing. But if you see me when I go. You ask a hard thing. Elijah saying, you don't understand the times I've been by myself. You don't understand the times that Life Changers Church has been filled. So some of you do because you've been here. Been filled from wall to wall and ready to do great things. And in one moment, one lie, one tweet, one Facebook post, half of them be gone because, because they're not in it for God. They're not in it for the vision. And, and the times I've had to stand up here and preach my guts out to, to 
42 people on a Sunday morning and God said, I told you, you had too many. I'm going to do it with the little that's in your life and I'm going to raise up. God said, I'm going to bring in the riffraff. I'm going to bring in the misfit. I'm going to bring in the ex-convict. I'm going to bring in the woman who had an abortion that nobody liked. I'm going to bring in the man that robbed the liquor store. I'm going to save their lives. I'm going to put them on in a place and I'm going to lay my hands upon them and call them for my glory. Stand to your feet and give him a crazy praise. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, welcome to the 300. Misfit. Everybody missed it. Nobody's seen it. God called him out. Down in a wine press. He wasn't in revival service. He wasn't on camera all over the world. God found him all by himself. He didn't say, hey, y'all know I'm called. Every one of you heard the prophet say I'm called. He was all by himself in a wine press. He just had to believe. Somebody hear me right now. He just had to believe that God called him to greatness. And it wasn't even great. He says, I'm from the clan that's the weakest of all Israel. You have found <coughs> the wrong person. On that Saturday night when I give my life to God, and that evangelist laid his hand on me, I tell you the truth, he looked just like Conway Twitty. I tell you the truth, he looked just, and he sang like him too. Matter of fact, when he was singing, I wanted just boot scoot. Just got out of a bar on Friday night, went to church on Saturday night. I still had crank breath. I've been up for 36 hours, been, 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 been. Been, been snorting crank, been, been drinking for, 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 for 36 hours. Amen. I mean, I was just getting started. The party was just getting started. I messed everything up, walked into a revival. That evangelist laid his hands on me. And when he laid his hands on me, he said, he said, young man, he said, young man, you've been called to the nations. Let me tell you something. I'll tell you the truth right now. I had a brush popper. Anybody remember brush poppers? Praise God, them things that cowboys wore. Praise God. A brush popper. I had a brush popper. And I'm, I'm telling you right now we use that that starts that you could take a sleeve of it knock somebody out I mean it was stiff it was stiff on my arms I had wranglers I had wranglers that I could run in the corner and jump into them because they would start I showed I had a mullet way down the middle of my back I look good going to church y'all I'm telling you right now I mean I'm telling you right now when they saw me up in that line and that preacher laid his hands on me he was telling me mighty man of valor I was in my threshing floor I was throwing 
sowing up wheat, trying to figure out what God was wanting me to do because at 12 years old, the calling of God on my life, he said that I would change the world. It didn't look like I would change the world. I've been in jail all over Oklahoma. I had three DUIs, should have been in a penitentiary. And now I'm sitting here. I ain't got a bit of license. My wife is driving me to church. And I'm sitting up here. I don't have no license. I don't have no identity. My life is going to hell in a handbasket. All I can do is find me some dope somewhere to get my mind off of how bad my life is. My daddy's a preacher. I should have been a preacher, but I don't fit the mold of a preacher. I don't want to be a preacher. I want to be a cool dude. I want to be in the crowd. I want everybody to party at my house. I want to party every night and every day. And inside, something was telling me, you're in the wrong shoes, preacher. You're in the wrong shoes, preacher. And I'm thinking, don't call me preacher. I stand up in the middle of that place. He laid his hands on me. He said, God's called you to the nations. And I'm telling you the truth. I stood there. I stood there. I, I, I literally thought I was still standing there. I mean, and, but when I woke up, I was on the ground. Didn't even know I fell out. I thought I was still standing up. I was going to open up my eyes and see it preaching. All I could see was wood. I thought, dear God, you took me to heaven. And I want to tell you something. I preached in the church for four years with no more than 25 people. God telling me I'm not giving me dreams of crowds of people. And I'm telling Anna, man, and God's called me to preach. I mean, there's a whole bunch of people. God's called. She goes, yeah. <laughs> I'm preaching to about 25 people for four years. Actually, for five years. From 19, well, for four years. From 1996 to 2000, I preached to 25 people. And then God says, I want you to go full time. I said, nobody knows me. How am I going to, how am I going to, nobody even knows I can preach this good, Lord. <laughs> Went to Oklahoma City, did the first revival there in Oklahoma City, and I kid you not, on the way back before I got back, because we bought a cell phone, man, I thought I, would, I thought I was cool there. I had that Nokia flip phone. Come on, somebody. I mean, Nokia, man. Woo, Nokia. What is Nokia? I don't know, but I like the phone. Give me the phone. I need the Nokia phone. I flipped out, and somebody called me on the way back home and said, hey, can you come to McAllister and preach? I said, yeah. I went to McAllister. Hey, can you come here and preach? Yeah. And before you know it, before you know it, in the year 2000, you 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 you, you listen to me. In the year 2000, I'm sitting where nobody knows me. In the summer of 2000, I wind up in Joplin, Missouri on Main Street, right across from Babe's restaurant there, preaching in a tent. I met Sister Linda Wilson. I'll never forget. I wish I hadn't met him. But I met Sister Linda Wilson. And there from that moment, God began to start friendships that he was molding and getting ready for the call. Come on, somebody. Because when he calls you, he places people in your life. And sometimes it's an early place. And you don't recognize it. And you don't know it. And for 15 years, I lost touch with her. I didn't even know anything about her. I showed up in Pittsburgh. And she walks through the back door of the church. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And God, God is doing something. He's doing 
doing something in our lives. And God is calling the misfits. He's calling the ones that don't understand. He's calling the ones that are scared. I know you, man. I know you, lady. And you are scared out of your mind. You think you got to give up your friends. You got to walk away from this lifestyle. But God said, I'll give you a greater purpose. I'll put more into your life. And I'll rebuke the devil when he comes against your life. Pastor and a gun piano, please. Here's a misfit. God said, I want, to take, I want you to take 300 of your men. I want you to go out at midnight. He said, midnight? I want you to go out at midnight. He said, I want you to go out at midnight. I want you to take these men. He said, when you get out there, I said, I want you to take these jars. He said, ready. He said, when I tell you to, he said, I want you to smash the jars. Put men all over the place and took them out. The power of God began to flow. Come on, somebody. The power of God began to move. Have you ever had God to just show up and fight for you? Yes. Yes. I hadn't been saved very long, but I hadn't had my license. Because I lost them for a long time. <laughs> I, was, I was a misfit. So when God called me in the ministry, I lost my license in 1994. I got saved in 1995. And so they took my license away. Uh, I didn't go to the penitentiary. I walked up before the judge. And I looked at the judge. And the woman asked me, she said, where do you live at? And I said, I live on Gin Road. And she said, Gin who? I said, Jen Road. She said, did they make gin down there? I said, evidently they did it one time. <laughs> she said, okay, well, where, where did this happen? Where did you get picked up? I said, on Chicken Fight Road. <laughs> she said, Chicken Fight who? I said, Chicken Fight Road. She said, they fight chickens down there? I said, oh, no. <laughs> Not no more, they don't, but they did. I stood there knowing that I would spend at least, the least I would spend with 90 days in the county jail. And the most I would spend was 365 days. Still lost, still not saved. But I got praying mama. She says, Lord, I remember what you told me. Lord, you didn't tell me nothing about no jail. Lord, I remember what you told me, but if jail's what's going to get him, then I'm okay with it. But I need you to show up today, God, and bring deliverance. I'm telling you, God run in that courtroom, and he fought for me. That woman looked at me. She slammed her gavel. She said, you owe the court $250. I don't want to see you again. I said, you will not. And I walked out of that place. Praise God. And I'm telling you right now, getting ready and going home, and it hit me all of a sudden. Tears began to stream down my face. Tears began 
begin to move. I thought, dear God, here you are. You're doing exactly what you said you was going to do. I need to tell some Gideons in here this morning. It may not look like it. And the promise that God told you or he gave you, it may look like it failed. And you may think you went down the wrong road. Maybe you're sitting in this place today and you think you've disappointed everybody and they ain't nobody can ever trust you again and the things that happen in your life. Maybe you're mad at yourself because you've been on dope longer than you wanted to be because you've been strung out in places you didn't want to be. Maybe you're mad at yourself because you're in a relationship and you're not married and you know that God wants you to line it up and become right. Maybe, I don't know who I'm talking to, but maybe you're in a place that you're in the lowest place of your life and you're trying to get God to blow on your wheat and move the chaff out of the way. But God's visiting you today. He's showing up today and he's calling you a mighty man of valor. Stand to your feet all over this place, please. Every head bow. Please, no one looking around just for a moment.